Welcome everybody to Hidden Guardians Podcast, your only podcast host by actual Hidden Guardians. Today on the show, Venge and I are going to be talking about the Twib that came out this week. There's some interesting things in it. We have to talk about the difficulty changes as well as a mid-season preview for weapons changes that are coming up shortly. And we're also going to talk about the wonderful finale and the entirety of the seasonal story, the five weeks that we have there. You know, we got thoughts. We'll kind of bullet point what happens and, you know, and then talk about what we thought about it and stuff like that. Uh, one other thing I do want to add is from last week's Crucible blog update, we actually had some comments. A comment, I should say. Uh, I put up a poll. Are you a Crucible enjoyer? 100% said yes, because it was only one person. Mm-hmm. You can laugh. But uh, I had up a question. What Crucible changes do you want to see Bungie make beyond what is discussed in the blog? Because there was a lot of changes in that blog post that we went over last week. Uh, mm-hmm. Friend of the channel, Bam, wrote in, he would like to see a Juggernaut game mode. Okay. And stasis buffs. He wrote nothing too traumatic to the player base, to be sure. I don't agree with that. I think the player base should be traumatized. <laughs> it's it's not like we have all immortal 24-7 right now. Oh, we do. Oh, yeah. Maybe they shouldn't be traumatized anymore. Then. Yeah. He's shooting a green SMG at you. <laughs> laser beaming your head with it and every single playlist uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting a juggernaut game mode um, yeah that'd be kind of cool stasis buffs I'm actually kind of down for it I think stasis uh, in PvE is pretty well known to be decent if you actually give it a shot but everybody's kind of on the new hotness of strand which is really really good and the light 3.0 yes. stuff but stasis yeah, that's that's strong still in PVE. I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind seeing it just tweaked a little bit here and there, like some of the cooldowns, just for PVE, just for PVE on some things. But you know, I think it's in a really good spot. But PVP, yeah, I can I can see where it can underperform a little bit. So yeah, I'm I'm down with that idea for crucible changes with that. Uh, speaking of changes. There's some upcoming changes coming in the mid-season patch, which, I don't know, man. Uh, we haven't heard a date, but it's already April now, so I'm I'm thinking maybe next week. Not it's got to be soon. Tuesday, but the next one, because that, that would be about midway through, I think. Uh, it's it's soon, TM. And, yeah, definitely got to be soon. Yeah. And, uh, well, the first off, the... In, in this week's swab, which I will link in the description for you to read. Uh, they they talk about the difficulty that's in the game. It says, we've been keeping an eye on the community feedback on overall difficulty since Lightfall's launch, and we have some changes in today's update, which went live on Thursday, this past Thursday before we recorded, uh, and in future updates that retune certain experiences. In today's update, we reduced the Legend and Master enemy HP scalers for non-boss units, which we felt were a little higher than we liked. Basically, everything kind of 
in, in some content, it felt like they're, you're fighting bullet sponges or red bars, and it really shouldn't have been that way. So I'm, I'm kind of appreciative of this. They reduced the enemy HP scalar in all non-raid and dungeon legend and master difficulties by 10%, and reduced the co-op enemy HP scalar in legendary Avalon by 33% in a full fire team. I have not played legendary Avalon mission, but I understand from people that have done it as a full fire team, it is absolutely oppressive. And it mm -hmm. was almost harder than master raid content. Just going magazine after magazine after magazine, reloading, reloading, reloading to kill red bars. Yeah. And they're just <laughs> one shotting you. No thanks. So 33%. That's a third of their uh, uh, HP scaled down. I, I, I can I can dig that. There are also changed some reductions to commendation requirements. So you can reach your milestones at a much more enjoyable pace. Um, so they're reducing Hawthorne's weekly challenge commendations from 20 to 5. So you just have to give out 5, if I remember right. Uh, they're removing the Guardian rank objectives that require players to give commendations from ranks 7, 8, and 9. Okay. And they're further reducing commendation score requirements for Guardian ranks 7 through 9. So at rank 7, you used to have to get 460 total points in commendations. Now it's just 200. To reach rank 8, it used to be 790. Now it's 477. And to reach rank 9, it used to be 1,290, and now it's just 910. Okay, so it kind of like doubles between each one. And yeah, just about. That's okay. I finally hit rank 7 earlier in the week. Mm -hmm. So I was all pleased about that. <laughs> but I'm currently grinding uh, uh, my way up to rank 8. And, and what's taking the longest is uh, really trying to get the commendations. You know? If you're not in the uh, uh, ritual playlist activities or the seasonal activity, you really aren't doing progress very much on these things. So, well, and like the the whole thing with the commendations is like in strikes it makes sense, and in the uh, the seasonal battleground it makes sense because you know there's three of you and you get two commendations. In PvP, you also only get two commendations, so if you're playing sixes, there's a chance you don't get commendations for matches on end. And people can give commendations to people on the opposing team. Yep. So, that kind of, like, shortens the amount that you can get. Um, I really wish that commendations weren't tied to anything. You know, when it comes to... Uh, ranking up um, our, our guardian rank because they're just handing them out. It's, it's actually not giving us a clear idea as to the type of player we're dealing with, which was kind of like the original idea for combinations. Yeah. It's like, oh, so you know this person's really knowledgeable because they keep getting knowledgeable things from raids. Okay, cool. So you know if you're matching up with this person, hey, you're getting this. I can tell you right now, the majority of the stuff I get is, is fun in the mm -hmm. core activities. I get fun a lot. I am not fun. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, sorry to ruin your day, folks. I am not fun. <laughs> I I literally in strikes and the 
battleground. Whoever's on the left gets gets the left one, and whoever's on my right gets the right exactly. one. Like I'm exactly. not. I'm... It, it's it's useless. It's not actually saying anything about the player. You're just turning. You're just handing them out. And I do the same thing. It's like whoever's on the left gets the left one. Whoever's on the right gets the right one. It's just that's it. Yeah, you know? I think the only the only activity I feel like it makes some sense in is uh, raids, and even then, none of them really actually mean much to what you're doing. It's just making yeah. sure everybody gets all five of their accommodations. Yeah, but. and that that's that's the point. It, it I wish the system wasn't tied to generating a score to advance your rank. Because at that point, people are just spamming whatever to get mm -hmm. the rank up. It's not giving you a clear indicator as to what this player is like. And that was the original notion, at least what I thought commendations were supposed to be. And it's not. Yeah, that. that's, I mean, I kind of feel the same about Guardian ranks. I feel like the system itself doesn't actually indicate much okay, other can than we talk about you're willing can we to talk grind. About Guardian ranks for a second? You, you have know what I find? Um, a little bit disappointing about guardian ranks What's the that? seasonal stuff that resets every mm. season why yeah that, that that so we are all back at rank six as veteran status at the beginning of a new season that also gets rid of showing off who's been around longer who has a lot more end game knowledge on things come on this is just now a random thing to grind out it doesn't actually say that hey I've been playing this game for a while. I can be put up with people that are rank veteran and I have like master raid clears and all this other stuff. I know mm -hmm. I have more knowledge than them, but I'm at the same rank as them. And I have to do arbitrary stuff that's going to get reset and knock my score back down again. Mm -hmm. Why? Why? Why does the score just keep going up? <laughs> you know? I, I don't understand the need to put in these weirdy, weird little grindy systems in an already really grindy game. Yeah. I, I just think that was a point that were, you know, for us to show off who we are and how knowledgeable we are and experienced we are as players, this kind of dropped the ball. At the very least, I could say the framework is there that if they do revise this system, at least we're familiar with kind of how it works and the look of it and all that. I I just want to see it revamped to more accurately show people as uh, their experience instead of it's a number that resets every season. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so uh, while I'm uh, getting depressed about thinking about that, Benj, we got this mid season preview coming up. Uh, do you want to uh start us off on that? Sure, sure. Um, weapons team here, uh, saying that's not going to be a huge one. We feel the changes we do have are impactful to the sandboxes in both PvP and PvE. Also, as you, as a note, in case you missed it, in last week's patch, we corrected an issue with target lock that was making it significantly more forgiving to use than intended, which originally would have been included in this patch, but we felt the change warranted being pulled forward. 
Good for them. Uh, PVE primary weapon balance. We wanted to see how the PVE sandbox shook out after release of Lightfall. Not necessarily see if primary weapons needed a buff, but more to see how much we should buff them. We've done quite a bit of testing on these numbers and content ranging from heroic nightfalls to legendary campaigns all the way up to grandmasters and we think that the changes are impactful without invalidating the difficulty of the appropriate levels and heroic and legendary content you should be more more likely to one-shot red bar enemies depending on your weapon type and even in gms we have shaved down how many shots it takes and time it takes to kill for the below weapons against red and orange bar enemies Shit, I did it. We want to add that we do not believe we are done with tuning weapon damage in PvE. This is merely a starting point, and we will revisit and revisit it in the coming seasons to make sure everything has a place in the sandbox. Okay. Final so we increase we uh, increase the damage of the falling weapon types against red and orange bar enemies in PvE. Auto rifles face steep competition from SMGs within parts of their range, and having a longer possible engagement distance wasn't doing enough to offset it. We don't want auto-rifles to defeat combatants faster than SMGs, as that would flip the script and invalidate the lower range options instead, but we did feel like we could close the gap substantially. Uh, so, auto-rifles get a 25% damage buff against red and orange bar enemies. Um, pulse rifles and hand cannons have been considered weaker and harder PvE content for some time, so we wanted to make sure the buff we gave them was substantial, while at the same time keeping them below the lower ranged options in terms of pure lethality. Pulse rifles have struggled, being less effective than scout rifles despite, for the most part, having a less effective range. We also put sidearms into this group because they similarly lagged in damage output compared to longer range SMGs. At these values, pulse rifles should be should be in a more reasonable spot. Hand cannons should feel like they pack more of a punch, and sidearms should fall much better should fall much better into the high risk, high reward category. Uh, so, pulse rifles, hand cannons, and sidearms get a twenty percent damage buff. Scout rifles. We we'll need to be careful tuning scout rifles up too much because they offer offer the benefits of very safe engagement ranges paired with unlimited ammo, so making them too strong instantly turns most endgame PvE content into sit as far away as possible and plank, which we want to avoid. That being said, after the changes to the other weapons, they felt like they were trailing just a little too far behind, so we moved them up as well. So they got a 10% damage buff. SMGs and bows. We tune the rest of the primary weapons using these two archetypes as benchmarks, but as mentioned above, we will continue to keep an eye on the primary weapon balance in PvE and may revisit their tuning as needed. Okay. All right. That's that's interesting. Um, apparently, the buffs here that you just listed off for autos, pulses, hand cannons, sidearms, and scouts will mm -hmm. also affect the exotic versions. Oh, okay. So Interesting. We just got uh, Quicksilver Storm and um, the raid weapon exotic from King's Fall. Um, Touch of Malice. Touch of Malice. Got their 40% PVE damage buff. Yep. This is also going to affect them. 
That's crazy. Well, no, that's good. I, I think that's actually good. And uh, it makes them more valuable in PvE content. Touch of Malice, I would never take into PvE content unless it was a raid. And I'm standing in like a, a, a rift or a uh, well of radiance. But at least now, um, I have reason to use it. Yeah. Because it's not a bad scout rifle. And I could take one or two shots and lose some health before I reload. So, yeah, you know. I think this it's going to hit like a truck now and might actually be something worth checking out. Um, Definitely going to be very strong. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, also, Scout Rifle 1. Oh, man. 10% more damage on PvE enemies. Mm, I can't wait to bring out DMT again. Mm -mm. Oh, baby. I love that weapon. That's going to be fun to use. Uh, but we got Archetypes. We got to talk about the weapon archetypes here. Yeah. So first off, SMGs, aggressive frame SMGs have been very strong in PvP meta for the last couple of months, with a handful of outliers taking most of the credit. Dicolos SMG was something of a mystery to us as we continually felt and got reports that the gun seemed to have much more stability than its stats would indicate it should, compared to other SMGs. Originally, the Icolos SMG was built back in the Warmind era where we had fewer guidelines on how to keep weapons balanced. And upon doing a deeper investigation, we found that some custom tuning had been added to the weapon's scope to give it a recoil reduction effect. I think that um, Warmind was actually made by Vicarious Visions. So they probably did everything and was just like, oh, hey, here you go. Mm hmm. So thank you, Vicarious Visions, for giving us one hell of a good SMG for so long. Yes, thank you. Um, it says, uh, for comparison, the recoil reduction tuning was like having an effect nearly equivalent to Zen Moment at its max strength and always active. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. I mean, they could have kept that for us. That would have been fine. Uh we have removed that custom tuning, and the recoil should now feel in line with other SMGs. Cyclos SMG removes some of the tuning on the custom scope that caused these weapons to have significantly less recoil than intended. Recoil is now in line with other aggressive framed SMGs. Uh, while we are aware that this change in isolation, while noticeable, it's unlikely to put much of a dent in aggressive frame SMG current dominance. So we have a larger chance to reduce the damage of aggressive subfamilies that will release alongside Season 21. This change will be targeted at shifting the resiliency threshold where the gun can achieve its optimal 0.67 seconds TTK, time to kill, down to a lower value and to force more reasonable 0.77 second TTK against most players while decreasing their forgiveness and missed crits. Okay. I don't think this is going to affect the immortal that's running around currently right now. So... That's fine. Fusion rifles. When we last touched fusion rifles, shotguns had seen a big drop in effectiveness, and we were concerned that rapid-fire frame fusions would rise up and take their place. As such, we preemptively we preemptively nerfed rapid fires pretty hard. In today's sandbox, this is less of a concern due to the renewed strength of shotguns following the airborne effectiveness and pellet spread changes. So we have walked back some of the damage nerfs we made to rapid fires. This change will push them back to defeating all resilience levels in seven bolts and giving them a decent bump 
of ease to use. Increased burst damage by 15. Damage per burst goes from 245 to 260. Damage per bolt goes from 27.2 to 28.9. Damage in PvE is unchanged. Folks, if you never got rid of your Cartesian coordinate, have a party. Remember when that was the meta in the Crucible and in PvE? I used to use that in PvE. Yeah, Cartesian. Oh, God, Cartesian was doing more damage than exotic weapons. Yeah. And that was back when uh, Vogue came out again, and people would stand in a well and just shoot things in the face with Cartesian. Love Vorpal. Love Vorpal weapon. Mm-hmm. Perfect, perfect. Um, friend of the channel, J Pans America, is a Cartesian coordinate fanatic, and he currently has twenty thousand kills on his, and this is making him bring it back out, and he's gonna work on getting thirty thousand. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, he he likes it. By the way, in Z Twab, uh before we get in further into the mid-season preview, they have this lovely picture of a Neo Mona fusion rifle that's just sitting there. That's also a rapid fire frame, and you can craft it, folks. So if you get all the things for it, craft a copy that makes you feel like God in PvP. Uh, Do it up. Just go for it. It's going to be fun. Uh, speaking of fun, trace rifles. So fun. Uh, they are in a bit of a precarious spot in the Crucible. In the right hands, they can kill very quickly from long ranges, even outside their optimal time to kill. On the other hand, they can be difficult to use, and they often feel heavily ammo-limited if you're not hitting the optimal TTK. While we did a lot of experimenting on them for this change, including multiple combinations of damage and crit ratios, and settled on the values below as the highest we could push their damage output before they became frustrating to deal with in the Crucible. Yeah, we don't need laser tag coming back again. Uh, that would be very bad. Sure we do. Sure we do. As long as that emblem comes back, I'd be all right with it then. Uh. Yeah, a new laser tag emblem every season. That'd be great. <laughs> a laser tag weekend. Imagine if that was a crucible rotator. Laser tag, it's just all, you know, trace rifles. That That's your entire loadout is trace rifles. All that'd trace awesome. rifles that kill you as soon as they you look at them. Yeah. Nobody awesome. actually gets to shoot. It just kills you. That's right. You're just dead. It's I like you're just it. standing there. You're just standing there in the crucible. You just spawn in all of a sudden the uh, the the ca- the crit cage from uh, the divinity wraps around you. And you just <laughs> die suddenly. Uh, oh God. Where, where was I at? Interestingly, the damage with damage any higher than this, uh, the feeling was that they had a surplus of ammo, especially in six v six, and could often net two kills per special brick picked up, which was concerning. Once we moved their damage values, they still felt like they needed a little bit more, and we wanted to lean harder into making them feel good to use, so we increased the effect that the stability has on reducing flinch at the high end of the stat. We'll monitor this change when it goes live and may revisit the ammo situation in a future update if their effectiveness remains low. So they're increasing the base damage by 4%. Base damage goes up from 12 to 12 and a half. The reduced precision hit multiplier from 1.4 to 1.35 so the crit damage goes from 16.8 to 16.9. And they increase the effectiveness of stability at reducing flinch by 10% at 100% stat. So scales at lower values. 
Okay. Okay. I made that offhanded remark about the divinity, but apparently divinity is like a secret sauce weapon in the crucible. That's what I've heard. Oh, because if somebody goes around a corner and they're just hiding around a corner and they have that bubble on them, you can shoot the bubble that's sticking it, out around the side and you can kill them. Yeah, it's a little silly. Yeah, it, it's hysterical, actually. And how long does it take to get the bubble on? Half a second. <laughs> yeah. Divinity and the Crucible, who would have thought? Uh, sniper rifles. Hey, here we go. Rapid-fire frame sniper rifles have long struggled to find a place in both PvP and PvE meta. In PvP, their inability to kill with two body shots puts them in uneven footing with other snipers. And in PvE, their fast RPM but standard inventory sizes means you consistently feel low on ammo. To address these concerns and differentiate them from other sniper subfamilies, we've reduced their recoil by 50%. This means, hitting, this means hitting crits on a boss or a champion in PvE is much easier, and taking rapid follow-up shots in PvE is in PvP is two. We have also increased their inventory stat by 30%, which should give them a lot more rounds to play with in PvE content. So they're reducing the recoil by 50% and increasing the total ammunition, magazine plus reserves by 30%. Um isn't Storm Holy. Chaser or the the cloud chaser or whatever it is the, the exotic strike. cloud strike uh, yeah cloud strike cloud uh, strike. exotic there sniper isn't that a rapid fire frame that would be nice i think it's a rapid fire frame i can't look it up right now because you know i'm away from uh my game and i can't load up the app to take a look but i think it's a rapid fire frame sniper and if that's the case its recoil goes down by 50% and its reserves are going up. It's it's going to be interesting and a lot of more fun to use in PvE. PvP will be, a, well, in the right hands, it's going to be uglier in PvP. Yeah. Uh, but we do have exotic weapons coming up, Venge. Uh, you want to take those, please? Some exotics. <clears throat> Everybody's favorite. Final warning. Final warning, being able to track targets through barricades, while funny in some cases, felt pretty unfair to play against and was not intended, was not an intended mechanic of the weapon. So you can no longer mark targets through tight barricades. What a shock. And that's all we have to say about that one. The Toraba. Uh, this weapon is something we have been keeping an eye on for a while, and with the spotlight being shown on aggressive frame SMGs, Felt like Taraba has had its time in the sun. When the weapon was introduced, there was substantially less survivability in PvP, and the intention was that it would take nearly two full engagements to get Ravenous Beast active, which made it one of the costliest perk activators we had in the endgame, and justified the extreme power it offered. As the sandbox has progressed, however, Survivability has increased, and it has become possible for Ravenous Beasts to be very close to act- activating after a single engagement. This has meant that savvy players could purposely bait or take small amounts of damage, like standing in a grenade effect, to top off the perk and then have it active for the second engagement. This increased ease of access and made Ravenous Beasts an outlier in today's Crucible, 
and we were left with the option of reducing the potency of the perk itself or trying to make its activation more difficult, and we decided to work with the latter. This reduction in energy granted take from taking damage puts the onus back on the user to deal damage and shifts the balance of the perk back towards the difficult activator that justifies its reward of potent effect. In addition, we are continuing our mission to address zoom outliers, and this felt like a good time to reduce the zoom Terraba back to something more in line with the rest of the SMG archetype. So, uh, they reduced the amount of ravenous beast energy generated when taking damage from 3% to 1%. Wow. And reduced zoom from 16 to 15. Revision 0. Fourth time's the charm. Working when Revision 0 went into Hunter's Trace is a fun and intended interaction, but it causes some, caused some unfortunate issues. Activating it too early while the perk was up caused the weapon to overflow its limited mag size and return the normal pulse rifle mode. We have made a fix so that four times the charm can continue to work while Hunter's Trace is active, but it will not be able to grant ammo until all shots have been expended. This means you can still enjoy the two free shots provided by the perk as long as you hit all four Hunter's Trace rounds without worrying about being kicked out of the mode. In addition, we have buffed the damage of Hunter's Trace rounds by 25% PvE. Okay. And we have buffed the Hake Heavy Burst Rounds by 75% in PvE. Wow. This will now make it more of a trade-off when choosing between Origin Perks, either dealing more damage in the primary mode, but changing Hunter's Trace more slowly, or dealing less jam damage, but charging the bonus shots more quickly. So four times the charm will now be reset when entering Hunter's Trace. This will prevent the issue of firing a single shot while in Hunter's Trace and being forcibly returned to pulse rifle mode when fourth time the charm activates. Uh, increased PVE damage of Hunter's Trace rounds by 25% and increased PVE damage of the Hockey Heavy Burst rounds by 75%. Okay. I have a question. I don't have Revision Zero because I didn't play last season. Sure. Um, I think it might become available next season. Because I believe there is a um, a legacy rotator coming for various exotic missions, and uh -huh. the mission that you get this weapon in will be available. So it's either going to show up at the uh, the monument where I can purchase it, or I'm going to get it through that mission. But how fun is this weapon? I've never used it before, so. If you're asking me, um, I've I have not really used it since I got it. Mm. <laughs> um, I know last season it actually was pretty good because we had um, the pulse rifle barrier, and I actually I honestly can't remember if it has a built-in uh, champion mod thing itself. But um, the the hunter's trace rounds, it it actually fires like a sniper. Mm -hmm once you have it charged up and I don't know why, but I think initially that kind of threw me off because in, it, it made me think of like, um, uh, uh, Vex, the mythoclast, right? How, when you change that, it becomes a linear fusion. So you have like a short charge time before the shot. And for whatever reason, that's just also what I was preparing for with this, which probably didn't make any sense at all. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's it's a pulse rifle. I I feel like I've heard more people like it in PvP than they do PVE. 
Um, but I'd be curious to see what these these changes do if they make it more fun or more worth using in PVE yeah. over other options. Yeah, I'm curious because having pretty much a sniper rifle on demand. Yeah. You know, that's that's potent, I feel, and I would like to see how this feels when I finally get my hands on it. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, uh, this season's uh, exotic mission thing, uh, Excalibur, I think it's a lot of fun. I've gotten none of the um, catalysts for it yet because same. I haven't done any of the legendary missions. Yeah, same. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll do them when I can, but I'm dreading doing the legendary missions seriously. Uh, but you know, revision zero, I can't wait to give it a run. Uh, but coming up at season twenty one launch, they're looking at doing a sweeping rework of weapon hip fire reticles to better display useful information for players, such as accuracy, aim assist, charge state, exotic perk state, etc. There is the aggressive frame SMG nerf coming at season 21's launch. Mm -hmm. The 10% PVE buff to sniper rifle damage is coming then. And buffs and adjustments to more than a dozen exotic weapons, including Graviton Lance and Salvation's Grip. I know there's a lot of people that like Graviton Lance. You're a special breed. You keep doing you. But Salvation's Grip, for those that forget, was the exotic weapon. It was the exotic stasis grenade launcher from beyond light mm -hmm. that nobody uses really because you just generate crystals with it. So it's great for platforming and uh, breaking out of the map. I can tell you that right now, mm. you know, remember that you could use, you used to be able to use salvation script to force crystals to push you through locked doors. Yeah. <laughs> How funny is that? Uh, but they, that was fixed. Uh, let's see. So I don't know what they're going to do with Salvation's Grip, but it'd be interesting to have another actual reliable stasis heavy other than our big frosty glaive. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is fucking badass. Oh, I, I love it. I finally started using it. I finally started using it because one of the um, uh, the, 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 the bonus uh, damage modifiers was stasis. In the uh, seasonal activity, so I threw on the Osmio Nancy Warlock, and I gave that the the exotic glaive as my heavy weapon. Mm -hmm. And Mother of God, it is powerful. Oh, and it's fun. Oh yes, that that makes the stasis build. I have turrets out everywhere, and that's the emergency turret. I fire this huge thing that freezes everything in its path. Mm -hmm. And and does like oodles of damage to things. I'm like, I love this glaive. I love this glaive. And then I saw it in the tower on my back one day, and I didn't realize it was the size of a door in your house that you're like it's, carrying around. It's fucking huge, man. I love it. It's like five pizza peels put together. So you know. And, and I'd really like a, I'd like a fun ornament for it too that sure. keeps it huge. Sure. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, they also want to put out that in the future, um, when it comes to the weapon stuff, they're going to be taking a look at how Zoom interacts with damage falloff and the base damage falloff ranges of all weapons in general. Okay. 
That's good. Uh, Zoom and perks like Rangefinder that manipulate Zoom have become a requirement on several weapon types, either to compete at all in the sandbox or to allow the weapon to exceed its intended engagement ranges. This has led to us being... It led to us to begin to consolidate zoom values on certain weapon archetypes, which removes an important lever that we can use to modify weapon feel, given the effect zoom has on field of view, recoil reduction, and aim assist falloff. We'll be investigating decoupling damage falloff from zoom. This would be paired alongside a refresh of the base damage falloff values to compensate. And this should allow us to better control the engagement ranges of individual archetypes, while at the same time letting us continue to use Zoom as a tuning knob for weapon feel without dramatically changing their performance. That would be cool. I think giving uh, the dev team more knobs, individual knobs to play with, will mm -hmm. tune these weapons better. Then I have Zoom, I have Rangefinder on my uh, weapon, and now I'm getting like multiple mini buffs behind the scenes. Yeah, ADS, you know. So just taking it off of all those other buffs and allowing to tune itself and basically allow Zoom and stuff like Rangefinder to zoom in on the target visually only <laughs> without improving everything else would, I, I think, maybe make the uh, guns feel a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I can't say for certain, but yeah. Uh, I am, uh, one thing I'm kind of dis disappointed with, with the exotic weapon preview that they gave, uh, at no point did they say they're changing the, uh, catalyst for, um, sweet business and giving it, uh, kinetic tremors and target lock, because I think that's what sweet business absolutely needs. <laughs> Jesus. Sure. <laughs> I don't even know what to say at this point. I, Just... I hear I hear Bam screaming right now because I said that to him this past week when we were playing together. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sweet business needs target lock and connect." And he goes, "Oh, and kinetic tremors too." Sure. Why don't we just shut down the game and make it unfair for everybody? <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, let's do that, man. Why not? Go crazy." He's just like, "No." I was like, everybody's a titan. They're rolling around with Actium War Rig with sweet business with this new catalyst. That'd be beautiful. Come on. Just give us a My season God. of it. <laughs> uh, but they, I think they fixed they fixed target lock, so it wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing correctly at higher RPMs. And I think sweet business ramps up to like, what, 900 RPM when it gets going? It definitely gets up there. Yeah. So it was in that it would break target lock area, but now it's been repaired. But honestly, I think target lock would kind of be fun. You don't need the tremors part, but target lock would kind of be fun on sweet business. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I might have to tune down the damage of the gun to start with. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we'd have to see. Joking aside, we would have to see. Um, for those that want to keep reading the rest, they, they have a discussion about the, the Kavastov that appears in the ending cinematic for Lightfall. Mm -hmm. It's kind of an interesting sneak peek. Plus, there's a whole bunch of um, wallpapers for PC and mobile and stuff. And you'll start seeing a lot of uh, polkas on all of them. 
I think my favorite is the uh, outside of Neptune with this gigantic puka looking up over the side of it. I just found that really hysterical as I was scrolling through my mobile device when the TWAB came out, and all of a sudden I see this huge image of a puka. It's like, is this like an early April Fool's joke or something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it, but <laughs> what the hell? Uh, that is ZTWAB. Link will be in the description. Uh, now... Uh, we do have a little bit of talking about the seasonal story that has transpired. This season's story for Season of Defiance is pretty short. It's not like the normal eight-week thing. I think there's like five weeks total. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty short. Yeah, and I think one of the triumphs is uh, since your your home base for this season is kind of the farm what's yep. left of the farm because there's some severe damage to it some blast craters and stuff here and there um i think the water wheel building has collapsed you know from the last time we were at the farm if you remember mm -hmm. there was a water wheel and it's just like all collapsed that building now um but you get like radio signals you get like radio uh, transmissions that you can intercept at the farm and it's, you know, some other people that you know talking. Uh, we've only got five of six. There's a sixth one out there. So we're going to get something at the farm, probably at the end of the season. Uh, mm -hmm. But right now, we've seen the scope of the story. And the scope of the story starts with the Lightfall opening cinematic with the space battle. And it looks like Amanda Holiday eats it from one of the jump ships that gets cut in half. And it yeah. turns out she was just captured by the Cabal. She kind of crash-landed into the EDZ, fortunately, and was captured by the Shadow Legion Cabal for whatever reason. And that very first uh, week, we get transmissions from her from inside the base letting us know where they are, that their Shadow Legion's capturing people. Humans, mm -hmm. Elixney, whatever, and they're just taking them, and there's no understanding as to why. And we rescue her, uh, which led to uh, some memeing when you freed her as uh, the crow apparently was with you. He comes tumbling out of the shadows, and she shoots him square through the heart with <laughs> the chaperone. Yeah. Uh, and as he revives, what was it? Ow. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my favorite bit out of that was like, oh, we thought you were Cabal, your ghost says. And he's like, oh, I can understand that. I am just so beefy. It's like, you freaking cornball. Seriously. <laughs> I, I love it. But, you know, you can almost feel Amanda wanting to shoot him again. And she wanted yeah. off. And he thinks furious and whatnot, you know. Uh, that's the very first week. The second week, I think it was just we do more things to save people. You know, mm. um, working with Devram, Mistrax, and Devram, and, you know, you just go and save another group. The third week, it's a mission into a Cabal ship that's in Earth's orbit where prisoners are taken. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought this mission was kind of neat because it starts off at the farm. Yeah. Which was not expected to me. Sure. Um, but it was kind of cool using the Ascendant plane to travel from, you know, the farm, terrestrial ground, to up in outer space mm-hmm. into the ship. Uh, I do want to rewind one thing. Week two, uh, seasonal uh, mission was annoying as hell. Was, was what? Week two's was the one with the scion. It was very annoying. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah, because you kept every time you would get to a DPS base with a scion, you take off a chunk of its health, and it would kick you back into the ascendant realm. Mm-hmm. While that was that was fun and very innovative, the first time I did it, as you're replaying the mission over and over again, that's turning into the longest mission out of the three. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, wish there was a way to kind of like shorten it up a little bit. But I, I, I'll give them credit. The three missions that we have to do are all kind of unique mm-hmm. onto themselves. I think the one going into space is my favorite. Um, but, you know, when you get back to the farm, It's Mithrax and uh, Amanda talking. Yeah. They're, they're talking to each other, and Mithrax flat out asks her, he's like, yeah, what, what, what's your story? You know mine. What's your story? And we get a cinematic detailing Amanda's history, finally. finally. Seeing her finally get to the city, why she's a pilot, why she's doing what she's doing. Okay. We also... Uh, get a radio call. No, no, the uh, the, the hollow projector thing. Um, talking about how you know she and Mithrax make a good team out on the field, but she has to keep her audio, uh, her, her her comm shut off because she called Mithrax one time crawdaddy, and Devon <laughs> almost pissed himself hearing it laughing <laughs> in his bell tower. Yep. So they gotta kind of keep that on the down low, you know, this their their partnership that they have doing. Then week four happens. Then week four, week four. Week four, we don't get the typical go into the playlist thing, complete the mission. We actually get a whole new mission for this. It's called Jailbreak, mm-hmm. and it takes place into the Cabal tunnels on the upper area of the EDZ that we yep. don't really use that much. In fact, these tunnels would once would take us and wrap us back around. Uh, also, this used to be the path to get to the uh, Volunder Forge. Forge. Yeah. Um, uh, there's this long mission. You know, Mithrax and Amanda break in through the top of the space. We go in through the front door nice and slowly on our sparrow without our sparrows, because we were told that if we take our sparrows, it would alert the guards. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure Amanda nuking all their defenses on the outside with her dropship <laughs> did that. It should have been enough. 
But the sparrow is what was going to push it over yeah. the top. So you have to walk through these tunnels, which takes a while. You finally get your mission. You start it up. Uh, they're in the control room overlooking where you're fighting, going through waves of Cabal. Eventually, waves of Taken start showing up, and you get a Tormentor that you have to fight. Mm -hmm. And when that's all cleared off, the Guardian goes to unlock the door to, to the room that they're in, and we get another cinematic at this point, which is uh, now you're seeing Amanda dropping through the ceiling. But I thought she's in the room. This 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 part gets confusing with sure. how this, this part of the story is told. Um, she's aiding Mithrax, letting people out. There's flashing lights, and it looks like in the Cabal language, looks like a countdown happening. Uh, she shoots this panel, takes the wires, kind of hot wires together to open up the path out as Mithrax hacks the cells with his splicer gauntlet, releasing the elixir and humans inside. He gets them out. She shuts the door behind them, and it's like, we're out, we're safe. And she's like, oh, that's all that matters. And then this explosion happens, and she's engulfed by this wave of fire. Mm -hmm. Cutting to Mithrax getting thrown out of the tunnel from the, the concussive blast. And um, Aramis is there on the outside, seals up the outside with stasis, so no more flames come shooting out. She, Aramis, at the start of the mission, by the way, I, sh I needed to point this out as to why she's there. She was warning us not to go. Mm -hmm. She's basically saying, you go, you're going to die. Go, you're going to die. And she's all but saying this is a trap, and this is why it's a trap. She wasn't giving us all that information, but she's definitely betraying the witness <laughs> by informing us not to go into something. Yeah, yeah. Um, the cinematic ends with Aramis leaving. Mithrax is seeing us coming out of the tunnel with our ghost. Our ghost asks, hey, where's Amanda? And he starts calling for Amanda, and there's no response. Mm -hmm. We go to the farm, and we see probably one of the more heartbreaking elements, I would say, to this entire thing. Yep. Which, by the tree line, behind where you transmat in uh there is like a platform table whatever obviously there's a body on it and it's draped in the uh this this tapestry with the with the uh, vanguard stuff on it crows there uh marsov is there who she's at the farm and there's zavala kneeling in front of this and he's repeating over and over again. Bravery, sacrifice, death, over and over again. Mm -hmm. What's this mantra? Um, I, I'm going to bring this up because what happened a few weeks ago with Lance Reddick and seeing that, that unnerved me a little bit. Made me sad, actually. Yeah, I, I I agree. I feel like it was harder for me just because it was like it's weird hearing Lance Reddick like eulogize almost 
it, it's it's I, I agree. It's a little unnerving. It was it was it was sad. And I feel like that's what made it more sad than anything. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. If Lance's uh sudden passing didn't happen, I don't think it would have upset me nearly as much mm-hmm. seeing that scene. Um Crow getting all pissy. We're gonna get revenge. I know you wanted to, Guardian. It's like, well, who are we gonna get revenge on, sir? You're just getting all hot headed right now. Yeah. Uh, he storms off. Marzov's like, please keep an eye on him. I was like, I will. Zavala's just like absolutely heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Amanda showed up in, in the city as a child. Yeah. And we've seen other scenes where kid Amanda is being looked down by him. You know, he kind of is like, in a way, in a way also raised her a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's just. It's another it's another loss for him. This is, you know, Cade, his wife, Sophia, his son, Hakeem, and now her. Hakeem. Yeah. You know, this this is just you're watching this dude lose everything over and over. And just as he's kind of getting a grip on coming to terms with his grief over his wife and son. And even decayed to that point, another major hit in his life. It's like mm-hmm. he's losing people. He's losing friends. He's losing his you know, confidants, his emotional support. Uh, yeah, it's pretty tough. Uh, kind of wrap up everything there. And this past week, it starts with Zevram talking about how he basically woke up didn't want to do anything. He didn't want to fight. And as when he was examining the Trostland, he saw a group of humans being captured again, and he picked up his uh, rifle and went to work because that's all they can do. Mm-hmm. They got to keep fighting. You complete your normal mission this time. There's nothing special. You go back to the farm, and now Zavala has a headstone set up. Mm-hmm. You know, and he eulogizes her more. And and this is also where you're, once again, not not just he's losing people, but I find it interesting that he specifically is again mentioning that when this happens, he wants to offer up his own final life, whatever, his power Mm -hmm. to save this person. And once again, the Traveler's silent. Yep. And that the credo duty, sacrifice, death, you know, bravery, sacrifice, death is, in his own words, it's a lie. Because there's yeah. nothing past it. It's like this guy is losing his own faith, so to speak. Absolutely. He's on the verge of totally losing it. Again, punctuated by the fact that Lance is not here. Mm-hmm. listening to this it's like uh, Savala goes off and uh, the radio broadcast we get this week I really didn't talk too much about the radio broadcast because it's just 
little bit more filler kind of filling in, but this one was important because it's Marsov reaching out to her brother, Crow, mm-hmm. who's all angry. And she's like, look, you shouldn't be angry about this. Don't go off. You're, you're, don't use this as armor. Let us help you grieve. And she's like, you don't even know her. You know, you have no right to talk to me like this. You didn't grieve for me. And she goes, all right, fine. I don't know her. Tell me about her. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what did he say? She was like a sunrise. Yep. And it's like, wow, he he really liked her. There was an entire relationship that we really didn't get to see a lot of mm-hmm. between those two. And this is messing with him. But it sounds like because he got to talk about it, maybe this is helping him temper that we're going out for revenge type thing. Yeah. And making him uh, grieve a little better. Um, overall, it really feels rushed, <laughs> this story. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I've I've watched videos on some stuff, and it's like, we don't even really know why they came down to earth and started taking prisoners yeah like there's there's things that we don't know that it it just i mean i guess rushed is really probably kind of the best way to put it really it just if i feel like up to this point we've we've been left with more questions than answers and it still is a bit of a sore spot in that way yeah, narratively, there's a lot of question marks yep. still. And it's not just in the Lightfall campaign, but now in the seasonal missions. I know they're trying to fill that all in over time uh, when we get more and more seasons as the year progresses. But uh, my fear is that this stuff's going to get washed away next year when the final shape comes out. So you'll lose all these stories. You'll lose all this context. Mm -hmm. And um, it just feels sad. Actually, I kind of feel bad for people that missed like season of the haunted, which really gave you a good idea of who the three people are that you've been palling around with all year. Mm -hmm. You know, it was the crow Zavala and Keitel. For those that never experienced it, you actually don't understand Keitel as well as say you or I do who did that content or the crowd yeah. or some Zavala holy shit <laughs> all the stuff that he went through mm-hmm. man so many people that missed that you can see YouTube videos on it it's not going to be the same thing uh, it just it just felt really strange that we rescue Amanda we have a week where yeah, it's kind of a little bit off. You're still doing your job. You get a cinematic about her. And then she dies. And now we're eulogizing her on the last week mm-hmm. of the story. It was very, very, very sudden. And it feels like it was done in a way to make the impact of her dying more relevant. Because 
to be very honest with you, with the exception of her showing up in some cutscenes and throughout the span of the game, I'm talking mm-hmm. the nine years, and her kind of like, you know doing audio for uh, strikes here and there or other missions, there really wasn't a lot of connection to the shipwright of the tower, you know. No, not at all. Yeah. So this was trying to force some more depth into her and then she's dead do you think she's going to stay that way that's the question i'm going to pose to you because i actually don't know i mean i don't know either and it's i i i I just don't know at this point i what's 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 it going to change if she does come back and she's like well, she won't even a be guardian. A yeah, I know. And like that'll be. It it feels like in a way it would just be, kind of to fuck with Crow a little bit. Yeah, and it seems like we would have another year of somebody not knowing who they are, but everybody else knows who they are, and eventually they find out who they are, and it confuses them, and it just, I don't know. It feels like retelling Crow's story all over again. If she comes back as a guardian yeah that's that's all it's gonna feel like and it's it at this point in the game it feels really unnecessary yeah i hope that because they've now presented a headstone and a monument Mm -hmm. that that means the remains are interred and a ghost is not gonna res her yeah, because it wouldn't be easy for access to do so. And then, how how horrible is that if you're rezzed and you're placed in the ground? Mm-hmm. You have to claw your way out. Just, <laughs> you know, zombie Amanda, you know, guardian. Uh, it just, eh, I don't know. I, I I feel this could have been done better, but I can only imagine the time constraints to get this out while there's a major expansion that same season that's launched. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping next season, the season of the deep, because we do know the name, whatever they're doing, the story is a little bit better crafted. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I like about deep, I think they said that we're not seeing a power jump. And we're also not going to have to be doing like unlocks. Mm-hmm. You know, like grinding out the uh, seasonal whatever thingamajig to, uh, you know, um, you know, focus weapons and armor and et cetera and so on and get bonuses. That won't be an issue. So I'm hoping that because some of the other systems are getting reduced, they can actually really focus on a really cool story. Mm-hmm. I agree. And uh, maybe that story kind of wall has threads. Tie is more standalone to itself as to not be vitally important to everything else that's going along but just kind of mm-hmm. helps facilitate everything moving forward uh, I don't know I, I think personally I think this was if I hate to say if this was an 8 week story season and it could really flesh it out a little bit more it would probably feel more impactful 
then week three we get the cinematic week four she's dead if it was week four we got the cinematic and we still have some extra weeks of her you know building these camaraderies and friendships and whatnot and being out in the field with us more Mm -hmm. yeah passing away on week seven or week eight and getting the funeral kind of all at the same in that same week that may be much more impactful but i don't know how they're going to end the season either so Maybe there's something on the horizon that we do not know about. But, uh, yeah. Kind of hope so. <laughs> I hope so, too. I hope so, too. Uh, I'm trying to think. What, what else could I say about this? I don't know. I just feel like narratively it's just been very inconsistent yeah it's been a bit an odd five weeks yeah and i'm even throwing in the campaign for that because i no same yeah i i I kind of i'm looking at how amanda was treated as the same for me as how rohan was treated does that make sense yeah, it was very sudden. You didn't really. They, they were bringing this person up, bringing this person up, and then all of a sudden gone. I'd say the only thing with Rohan is we knew it was going to happen. Yeah, it was definitely telegraphed in advance. I I could say that. Like even okay. before the expansion dropped, and we were told that they only live for ten years. Like, okay, Rohan's going to die. Like, yeah, I feel like that was telegraphed before we even had anything in our hands to to play yeah and that in a way lessened even getting a connection to care enough about this character Mm -hmm. you know and here it's like we have this person that kind of there once in a while puts up a one-liner like you know like a shadows um strike there was lines of dialogue between her let's see zavala and uh devram talking and all of a sudden, Amanda butts in, mm, I can listen to you two go back and forth on comms all day. It's like, it's like, yeah, clear clear the channel, lady. <laughs> go, take a, go take a cold bath, please. <laughs> Stop sniffing in jet fumes. <laughs> well, obviously, she was doing that to tease them, but that, that was, it was, you know, once in a while, some interesting things in there, but I really never knew too much about her. I think the lore of the chaperone kind of like gives you indications about some of the things about her. Mm-hmm. But this was the season to learn about her and she's now dead. I hope uh, that's it, not a pattern moving forward with other characters in the tower. Yeah. I hope next season we don't have another death and then the season after that another death and then the season after that another death. It's like we start slowly removing vendors and people in the tower. You know, I, I hope that's not the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would be devastated if Lewis the Falcon disappeared. Yeah, I would. Yeah, not so much Hawthorne, but definitely Lewis. <laughs> 
why does Hawthorne get all the hate she does? <laughs> Nobody likes everybody's tired of hearing you just don't quit, do you? <laughs> is it because she has like dots painted on her face in a circle? Is that why people don't like her? I mean, is this what it is? Or is everybody like absolutely convinced that you know she was actually Savathun this whole time, which wasn't true? I just that'd like be, Lewis the Falcon. That, that's it. That'd be the twist, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it would. He's been Savathun the whole time. Oh, God. Savathun <laughs> branched off to various things. It's like, she's, she's a copy of Savathun. Lewis is a copy of Savathun. They don't know they're each other copies of Savathun. <laughs> and when, in final shape, we wake up and it's all a dream and we're just outside shooting hoops or something. No, Wouldn't that be fun? It'll be like the the uh, this is this shows my age. There was a hospital drama back in the eighties called Saint Elsewhere. Okay, all right. And the final episode, and I mean, there was some weird stuff to it, but it was like a, a hospital drama, like ER type thing and all whatnot, dealing mm-hmm. with the the doctors and patients and death and all this stuff. In the last episode of the series. Mm-hmm. It turns out that the entire show was in the mind of a child at the hospital. Oh God! It was how I, I think the kid was in a coma or something, and but it was like you want to talk about pulling the rug out from people, like you kind of suggesting it's like, oh, we just wake up after the final shape. It's like, no, I don't think that would be a good idea. I don't want to say elsewhere as this game. <laughs> I mean, that 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 feels like Lost too, though. I've never seen an episode of Lost, and knowing how the show ends, I don't plan on ever doing that. But I never watched Lost. I never got into it. Didn't didn't really appeal to me. Well, at the end of the show, they've been dead the whole time. So why not? Spoilers. <laughs> why not? Why not? <laughs> well, while we're throwing out spoilers, hey, did you know She Hulk was green? Yeah. Oh well. Story wise, eh. I'm not that thrilled. I think uh what do we got left this season? We got I we got Iron Banana coming up this week, if I remember correctly. Mayhem's on the schedule this week. Um Guardian Games is coming up soon. I think it starts in May, though. So we got April with kind of not a lot going on. Yeah. And then we got Guardian Games. And then by the end of April, the new season starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new end of May, the new season starts. End of May, May. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. End of May, end of May. And then through the summer, obviously, season of the deep stuff. There's a new dungeon coming. Um, we don't have no idea where this is all going to take place. If we're getting someplace returning or someplace brand new, um, what else? Uh, we, there's um, solstice at the end of the summer because mm-hmm. that's the summer event, and that that's kind of all I can remember. And then in the fall, the reprised raid, whatever that is, mm-hmm. whatever season the next season is after Deep, uh, Festival of the Lost happens, and then we go into the winter where 
it's the dawning another dungeon and whatever seasonal story leads into uh the final shape i do want to say one thing about the last season though that's uh-huh. the one where they're doing like the uh the core playlist reworks if i remember right we were talking about they're kind of like really giving a pass on that stuff uh so i'm kind of interested in to see what they're going to do when that season launches sure. plus by then we should also have in-game lfg yeah in theory that should come out the same season as the new raid or the reprise no, no, they, raid. Said they're, they said they were pushing it back remember oh they did okay they said that was getting pushed back to the last season it'll Sick come brain. out with that new dungeon mm-hmm. they still need to work on it so i don't know speaking of things to work on how we can come up with a way to end the podcast we will try <laughs> Uh, but remember, anchor.fm slash hd-podcast is now becoming Spotify for podcasts, podcast for Spotify, whatever. So if you're on Spotify, click that follow button for us. We'd love to see it. And for people that do listen on Spotify, we have a poll and a weekly question we put up. And we'll try to read all that stuff on the air. So, hey, get involved. Throw some stuff out there. Let us know what you think. It helps us. Um, Twitter is still uh, at podcast underscore hidden. We do not have a blue check mark. Don't worry, <laughs> because you know, as uh, all the money we make on this podcast, which is nothing, uh, we can't afford <laughs> the thousand dollars a month to get verified. Yeah, fucking Christ! You know, so it all makes sense, but it all makes sense. <laughs> It all makes sense. Uh, Next week, um, we will talk about something. We might move into different games at this point. I do have a a saga to talk about Monster Hunter. Finally. Or like a Dragon Ishin, which I completed. Mm -hmm. Or I could talk about how my PlayStation 5 died. That's a funny story. That'd be fun. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff we can talk about next week. But uh, if there's any other breaking news, uh, big mentions in the TWAB, like if a miracle happens and they do an entire thing about Gambit. (laughs) But all right, since I brought that up real fast, April Fool's jokes that I saw involving Destiny, Mm -hmm. two things I saw. Number one, Destiny the meme on Twitter created a fake ornament for Starfire Protocol. Okay. Like she, like she went in and she was like, all right, examining the art of uh, the uh, exotic armor piece in your uh, collections. And she's like, hmm, should I buy this ornament? I was like, oh, there's an ornament there. I fell for it. I looked. There was. <laughs> so that was a good one. But the other thing I saw were people commenting about how, you know, April Fool's Bungie released like a fake thing about Gambit on April 1st. About, yeah, we've decided we're removing it from the game. Yeah, we've decided we're going to forget about it. Yeah, we're, it's like, shut up, all of you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see what shakes out this coming week. In the meantime, yep. thank you for listening. We appreciate all of you. Be well, everybody. Bye bye now. Thanks for listening. Keep okay, up.